everyone. This is your host, Dr. W of the podcast, Grief Glasses. For today's episode, I have a wonderful pleasure of interviewing such a great friend. Um, actually, my line sister, we met 20, what, 20 years ago, yeah. uh, long time ago, and we've become great friends through the years. This is a special person. Uh, she's really um, unique in many ways, and I admire her a lot. And so I'm happy to have you on the show. And my guest today is Robin Askew. So Robin, thank you for agreeing to come on the show. Thank you for having me, Dr. W. Pleasure to be here. Awesome. Thank you. So here, I like to start off with this, Robin. I ask everyone this question. What comes to mind when you hear the term grief? When I hear the term grief, the first thing that comes to my mind is a void. And I think of a void that leads to a heart and a soul ache. Mm. When I hear grief. Okay. Okay. So a void. Uh, that's, that's what a lot of people would say. So my next question then is what story would you like to share with my audience in terms of your experience with pain and grief? Sure. Well, I will definitely spend some time talking about our dear friend and our line sister from our illustrious sorority of Delta Sigma Theta. And obviously her name is Lakeisha Green. Mm -hmm. And we affectionately called her Keisha. And so I would love to share my grief journey as it relates to losing Keisha, as well as her friend, to a tragic car accident back in May of 2010. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I know you and Keisha were close. You lived in you know the same same area, and yes, I know you talked about a lot of things you all did together. So let's talk a little bit about when you first got the news of the accident. Wow. So I first got the news. That Saturday morning, it was Memorial Day weekend of 2010 to be exact. And I got the news at approximately maybe 5 a.m. Saturday morning. I received a phone call from Keisha's sister. And it was a number that I did not recognize. And I'll never forget, it was one of those moments where you're sort of like, what number is this? If this person is calling me this early in the morning, perhaps it's maybe something urgent, but I'll answer. And when I did answer on the other end of the line, all I could hear was moaning, sobbing, despair. Mm. And instantly my heart dropped and I said, who is this? And all I could hear was this individual saying, Robin, we lost Keisha. Mm. And I'll never forget because I said, are you serious? I said, I just talked to her. What I thought was, I said yesterday, but actually I had talked to her Thursday morning prior to the accident. The accident happened on a Friday evening going into Memorial Day weekend. And I said, I just talked to her. This can't be true. And she confirmed it. She said, yes, it's true. She died in a car accident, she and the children. And Keisha had two kids, Wesley, age five, that was in kindergarten, and her youngest son, Kyle, who was actually turning three 
And so they were actually celebrating his birthday, the irony there, that weekend. And I remember at that moment, it was instant hurt, instant pain, instant questioning of how could this have possibly happened? Because this is someone that I still have a voicemail from two days ago. (laughs) We just talked on the phone a couple of days prior to that. And it was interesting to me because that statement of her sister telling me, Keisha and the kids, because Keisha, as you mentioned, she and I were neighbors. Mm -hmm. So we would often see each other, but we were actually involved in each other's lives at least four times a week because we worked out together at the gym, at our local gym. And we had a 5.30 a.m. boot camp that we would attend Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. (laughs) And so I would pick her up about 5 a.m. every morning and we'd have our conversations in the car on our way to the gym. And then of course, going home after the gym, dropping her off at home prior to starting our work day. And there was this one particular time that that, it resonated with me that this is the way that Keisha wanted it. I don't recall why we were on this conversation one particular morning, but she told me, Robin, I don't want to live without my children. Mm -hmm. And she said, if something happens to me, I really hope that God takes us all. And she snapped her fingers and she said, I hope he takes us all up just like that. And so in that moment, I was, of course, shocked because it was such a tragic situation mm-hmm. and happened obviously so unexpected. And to know that when she passed, it was exactly how she told me she wanted it to be. She wanted it, she did not want to live without her children and she wanted them all to go together. And that's exactly how it happened. Mm-hmm. And all I thought was, wow, God, you honor her wishes, no matter how frustrated I am in this moment, no matter how deep this loss and this void feels in my life, this is what she wanted and you honored her request. So although untimely, but this was how she wanted it. So that for me, I felt like it really was more spiritual in that moment because it took my mind off of a human perspective and I instantly went into a spiritual perspective in that moment. That's heavy. That's really, really heavy. Um, So you talked about you all being so connected in terms of your lives and what you did together. And so tell me about when you finally start to really process it, Robin, in terms of saying, you know, Keisha's, she's gone. What did that do for you emotionally and spiritually? I would say that at the onset of her passing, I felt like in some ways I was living my life in this cemetery or living my life in this funeral home in a sense. Hmm. It was sort of as though, because obviously I was close to her family mm-hmm. and at that moment, her mother was living with them at the time. and She was obviously taking care of Kyle and the kids. And I knew that her mother needed 
someone to be her rock during that time. And when I got the news, I was actually out of town that weekend. And so I had come back early. I think I got back early on Sunday so that I could be with the family. And I remember going to her house, Takesha's house. And of course, when I get there, there's just cars lined up on the street and I get to the door and immediately see her family, her mother, her sisters, and her husband's family, because obviously he was, um, he was in the accident as well, but he was driving, but actually his life was spared up until he passed that September of the same year. But there was so much hurt in the home because of that, the level of impact. You've got a wife, you've got a husband, mm-hmm. you've got kids. Normally a house that's vibrant, that's full of laughter is now turned into somewhat of, for lack of better words, a cemetery. It, mm-hmm. it was hard. And I knew that I had to be strong because I needed to be strong for them because there was business at this point that we had to take care of. And I feel like at that moment, my focus shifted instantly to, I know what Keisha would want me to be for her family. Mm-hmm. And I know that she would say to me, and I could even hear her in my mind saying, Robin, and her little sweet little voice, Robin, you know, you got to help my mom. You know, you have to do this for my mom, or you know, you need to be there for my sister or that, this and that. So it was always this little voice in my mind that I could hear her telling me, I, I needed to, there's business that needs to be taken care of. There's a memorial service that needs to be planned. And during that time, because the incident was so tragic, of course, you had news stations that were wanting to interview the family. Mm-hmm. And you had the newspaper. So managing, of course, the media, I'll say, mm-hmm. was an obstacle in and of itself because we want to obviously ensure that anything is, that is said is done with um, deep respect because mm-hmm. they were truly a respectable family and never wanted to say anything that would potentially disgrace their Mm -hmm. legacy. So that was very important, ensuring that that navigating that entire process. And also it was, Robin, you have to be strong because right now we're still living in this moment. We're still here. And so we've got to make sure that everything is taken care of. And, and, For a long time, I really didn't feel like I could grieve in the manner in which I wanted to. I remember wanting to cry and it was hard for me. I'm not a crier, first of all, Mm -hmm. but something that tragic, obviously I cried and I wanted to cry more during that time, but I felt like I couldn't because I felt like if I get to the point where I break down, I'm not going to be good for myself. Therefore, I won't be good for anyone else. And I also had to manage the situation because Sydney, my son, at the time, Sydney's grown up around Keisha. He's a big, she's a big part of his life. And him trying to wrap his psyche around what just happened to Miss Keisha passing. Mm-hmm. And so it was like I had to be strong for all of these people around me. And my grief probably did not really start until 
probably after, probably I would say a few months after everything had occurred is when I was finally to that place where I could say, okay, I, they're okay now, meaning they're in a place where the business is taken care of, they're in a good place, although the family's no longer here, but they're in a decent place that they're pretty much able, I won't say equipped, but in a position where they can carry on with their lives. Whereas now I can sort of process my feelings mm-hmm. for how I lost my friend. And I must say, there's nothing that can prepare you for death. Mm-hmm. Obviously, her death for me, Keisha was a very, as we all know, she was an extremely wise individual, extremely yeah. wise beyond her, her years. Mm-hmm. Anytime she spoke, she knew what to say and when to say it. Mm-hmm. And there were times, even dealing with her loss, where she would have been the person that I would have made that phone call to. Mm-hmm. And she would have been the one that would have given me words of wisdom or a spiritual vitamin that would have allowed me to, or sustained me during a, a day or, or, or a period of time. And I did not have that particular friend in my life at that time. Mm-hmm. So that in and of itself was tough. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, that makes sense, Robin, because I, I remember you you told me, I got the news from you. Um, and I was, what was so interesting about it is I was kind of disbelieved. I didn't have the relationship you had with, with Keisha, certainly, but um, I knew Keisha and we spent time together as a sorority sister. So I could only imagine what your pain was and, and, and how you were having to process losing such a dear friend. And you are much like Keisha, wise uh, beyond your years. So I'm wondering if you can talk to me a little bit about your healing process. What did you do to, when you started, when you felt like you could start to grieve, how did you grieve? What did you do to say, I got to start to put the pieces together for my own self and my own life and move forward? What did that look like? Well, one of the things is I had to focus on, I kept purpose was a word that was in my spirit at the time, the purpose of pain, because all I felt was pain. Mm. And I kept thinking, because there's a phrase that says purpose behind the pain, like focus on the purpose behind your pain. And with that being said, I must say that it made me realize that this physical body is not our finality. Mm-hmm. It's not our final. And obviously I knew, obviously Keisha was a believer. So I knew where she was and where she is, but it also made me realize that this life is not all that there is. And I, I believe that the biggest lesson for me is living life with the perspective a spiritual perspective and living life in light of eternity mm-hmm. and not becoming so attached to this life and the things, the material things that we have, because I'll never forget walking into her house and I see the, like 
just something simple like the drapes that are put up or the color of the walls. These are something, things that we did together. Hey, I'm looking, thinking about painting the walls this color and looking at the furniture that we went and picked out or walking into her bedroom and seeing the bedroom suit that we had shopped for. And so I say that to say that obviously we enjoy things, we enjoy them, but we they don't have us. And that's something that it really made me put things into perspective to realize that we don't want to become so attached to, to this world that we miss living in light of eternity. Right. And so I feel like with her passing, it just seems to always make me wonder what is Keisha doing in heaven? Because I obviously I knew where she was and I'll never forget, as I mentioned, she and I worked out together quite frequently during the week. And I can remember there would be days when I would have a great day and some days when I would just struggle that day because I was going to the gym and I did not have to go pick her up that morning or text her to let her know that I'm five minutes away, be ready. <laughs> and it, I stopped going to boot camp because it was just too many memories, too many memories. And I just could not handle the memories I couldn't handle. And obviously I, I was trying to avoid our classmates, I didn't want to see them because I knew that they were going to either ask me a question or they were going to ask something as simple as saying, how are you doing? I can remember being on the treadmill some mornings because I'd stopped going to class. I said, well, I'll just get on the treadmill or get on the elliptical. And someone would, they would be coming out of boot camp and I'd try to like put my head down or something where they couldn't see me or put it beyond. And I can remember people would come by and they say, hi, hey, how are you doing? Or, hey, how are you dealing with your loss? And even something, words would resonate with me. Even the word loss would bother me because, and I say lost, L-O-S-T in that sense, because normally before when someone lost a loved one, I would, I would say that, sorry for your loss, not think anything of it, but when this happened to me, my friend, and they say, I'm sorry for your loss, that would bother me because I would say, I know where my friend is. She's not lost. She's in heaven. They met well. Mm -hmm. But when you're grieving, sometimes you can take even the, the, most, the, the smallest thing and make it, it, it magnifies. That word just mm -hmm. magnified for me. Or if I was having somewhat of a decent day. And someone says, how are you doing? Or how is the family doing? It would set me back. I felt like I was making progress. And then I was taking like mm -hmm. a month back or two months back because it was like, I was in a good place today, but you just so happened to ask me how I was doing. And that actually has made me sensitive to now when other people are dealing with someone that they've uh, obviously that they're grieving. Mm -hmm that is no longer present in their lives. And it's made me be more aware of the words that I say, because I know what it meant for me when someone did that to me. And so now I don't take those words lightly or I watch what I say. Like you have, you have my deepest condolences. I can appreciate that. Right. You have my deepest sympathy. I can appreciate that. And I can remember even people saying, well, what happened? having to relive that moment is 
difficult. It takes you back to that day. And I wasn't always in a position where I could answer those questions with full confidence and knowing that I would be okay after that conversation. Mm-hmm. After Sometimes after having that conversation, I would go home and I would, I would be down. It would, it would take me down for, and when I say down, I mean, I may not want to talk on the phone to anyone that day because I am trying to process my feelings of, of loss, of, of grief. And so those are things that, to answer your question, I feel like the lessons and blessings of obviously ensuring that I live my life with an internal perspective, knowing that the things that I do, I feel like any type of engagement with any other individual, I always try my best to ensure that it's positive because every memory that I have of Keisha is always positive. It's always fun memories. And I love that. And I can't think of any bad memory. And I think that is a testament to the type of life and what her legacy is because and, and that for me gives me hope. And it also challenged me to live my life in the way that she lived hers, mm-hmm. especially at, even at the memorial and hearing what people had to say about her mm-hmm. and her job. She's so passionate about her job. She worked at PepsiCo and she loved her job and she loved her children and she loved her family. And I will never forget this was probably a few months prior to her passing. She had attended a funeral. Wendell's aunt, I believe, had passed. Her husband's aunt had passed and they had traveled to Louisiana for, for the funeral. And when she came back from that funeral, she called me and she said, hey, she said, I attended this funeral. And she said, you know how it is when you attend a, a funeral? It makes you realize how fragile your life is and it, it makes you, understand our own mortality. It it puts us face to face with our own mortality. And I remember she told me, Robin, I am, I'm going to make some change. There's some changes I need to make. Mm. And I think it's amazing that she said that just a few months prior. And I used to always wonder, like, did she know, did God tell her something? I always wondered that about her because she was extremely intentional, intentional about how she made, how she lived her life and the decisions that she made. She was also one of those individuals that she was a, a straight shooter and she didn't sugarcoat a lot of things. And she was the type of person that she will give you the truth and love. Mm-hmm. But also we might, I, there were several times I didn't agree with it because sometimes I just didn't like the message. It wasn't no, so much the delivery, but I had to respect it. And I admired that, that she was bold to speak truth because that's rare. And you figure Keisha was, we were 35 at the, when she died. And so that, that in and of itself speaks to how she valued life and people. Yeah. Well, you know what, Robin, you you said something there that reminds me of you. I think you yourself live life very intentional. Um, and I know that just from through the years, how our relationship has grown. You you talked about how Keisha was that friend you could call for that that spiritual wisdom and, and guidance. And you're that friend for me. You know, if I, I need a pick me up or if it's something spiritual, I know 
I'm calling Robin. That that's the person that comes to my mind. But I think that's just a testament of the relationship you had with Keisha and how her life influenced your life and probably vice versa. So mm -hmm. I think that's a very strong uh, bond that you had. And to know that the way that you live your life is it's, I tell you this all the time, you remind me of my mother in so many ways and, and just the way you live your life, your commitment to your family, your spiritual life. And I think when you find people like Keisha as a friend that really lives that life, that's special. It is. And you talk about the memories, you have all those wonderful memories and that's why they're so good, I think, because of the spiritual connection. When you are truly uh, walking in light with light, it, it's a great thing when you have that in your life. So yeah. I wanna ask you this, Robin. I think what I've learned in, in dealing with my own pain and grief is, we're all gonna have grief at some point. You know, it comes in different ways. It comes at different times. Yes. But I do think it's important to have something to help you survive that pain and grief. And that's something for me is what I call a survival toolkit. Yes. And I'm wondering if you could share with me if someone were dealing with pain and grief now, or maybe it's coming, they haven't quite got to that point or moment in life. What things or words of wisdom would you say try this or consider this to help you through those moments? Sure. I would definitely say that one of the, I would say, most important things that was in my toolkit was just having gratitude. Mm -hmm. Gratitude for God allowing to, for thinking enough of me and allowing me to have a Keisha in my life. Right. And I feel like gratitude, it breeded a changed perspective for me. Mm -hmm. And I felt like, particularly during that time, I owed her and I owed our friendship I owed it some gratefulness and thankfulness because mm -hmm. any other type of feeling about my friend would have, I feel like, tarnished the legacy and tarnished sure. what I had. And it was way more than that. And so that would be number one. I feel like, again, gratitude breeds a changed perspective. Secondly, I would say that Scriptures for me, I had post-it notes all over my bathroom mirror. Mm. Every day I needed a reminder. Yeah. So I was able to, I would definitely say whether it be scriptures or if there is a motivational quote mm -hmm. or if there's a podcast or if there's a book, surrounding yourself with positive affirmations so wherever you're looking every day, for me, it was the first thing I do is get up and I'm going to my bathroom and I'm spending some time in front of the mirror, at least a minimum of 15 minutes. So for 15 minutes, I start my day. I see these scriptures. I see these positive affirmations that in and of itself would sink into my soul. And it would give me a great perspective for that day. Mm hmm. Thirdly, I would definitely say embracing each moment of the process mm -hmm. of grief. I 
truly gave myself time. I can remember people, obviously, there's a saying, time heals all, and it will get easier in time. And people use that so much, so much. And I used to remember thinking, well, how much time? Because a day would go by, weeks, months, years, and I never, I can remember measuring. I'd be like, okay, it's her first anniversary. I still don't feel good about it her second anniversary, I still don't. It was a very long time, but I will say that for each day in the last 10 years, mm-hmm. I allowed myself to feel what I felt in that day. But I, if I felt myself going too low, I would need to reach out to someone. So I would definitely say a support. And sometimes, obviously, you were one of those individuals that I would reach out to as well to say, hey, and it was just be us talking about Keisha. And I feel like for you and I, it always ended in laughter because there right. was a funny moment. <laughs> yeah. That in and of itself was a great survival mm-hmm. for me mm-hmm. because laughter was what helped. It actually helped. I mean, yeah. you figure like being able to laugh in such a situation as that, but the memories are, are what helped us. And fourthly and lastly, I would definitely say counseling, grief counseling mm-hmm. is crucial. Yeah. And obviously you've got an unbiased, objective third party mm-hmm. that is able to listen. And the more you talk, the more self-reflection and introspective you receive. Absolutely. And so those are some definitely some survival toolkits. And I wish I could say time heals. I do believe there is some truth in that. Mm-hmm. Obviously, this is the 10th year of her passing. Mm-hmm. And I must say it's gotten better. I, I feel like now I'm finally in a place that I can talk about her mm-hmm. and I can do it and truly be okay. Like I will be okay tonight <laughs> after right. we yeah. having this conversation. But there was a time and that I I would not have perhaps been able to agree to talk about her because it would again, it was setting me back. So I, that, that's why I think it's ex- important to realize that the journey, whatever that looks like, because when I think of journey, I think of destination. And then I think of destination, well, how long does it take to get to that destination? Right. So sometimes I do have to compartmentalize it and realize I say process and right. truly take one day at a time, embrace the moments do what feels good in that moment. But most importantly, I would say to never give up and know that our life still has purpose. Absolutely. That's perfect. Perfect. Um, You use that word purpose a couple of times. And I do think we all have purpose. And so finding that purpose and operating in that purpose is so important. So Robin, I thank you so much or being in a space and a place where you could have this conversation. I've certainly picked up a few things that I will be adding to my survival toolkit. And I hope that the audience really will, will gain some, some good nuggets and, and some uplifting thoughts for conversation. So as I always like to close my podcast, never judge anything before it's time. In time and with perspective, your pain and grief will take its proper place in your life. Thank you for listening and thank you for being on the show, Robin. Thank you, Dr. W.